Hello, critics, non-critics, and friends. Welcome to the Film Optics Podcast, brought to you by the Drive-In Podcast Network, where we discuss film, TV, and all things Hollywood. I'm your host, Christian, and I'm joined by Ryan McQuaid from Insights from Film and Awards Watch, and Nicole Ackman from Next Best Picture, and of course, Matt Wyatt making his return again here on the podcast as we continue our 20 years of magic with our Harry Potter movie series with the Prisoner of Azkaban. And before we begin today's show, you can listen to our podcast on platforms around the internet. And if you're a new or seasoned listener to the show, we would love to hear from you guys. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Film Optics. So let's go around the round table here. I guess we can talk about. Um, so Ryan, how are you? I'm happy to have you back, man. It's 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 been a while. It's 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 always good to talk to you, man. Yeah, I mean it's it's you know it's been a couple of weeks. We talked about Bond the last time I was here, and and uh, I was uh, privy to learn of this uh, Harry Potter uh, extravaganza that you guys <laughs> are, are having on, and you've had. JD from In Session Film on the first one, and you've had uh, Brendan on for the second one, and now I'm here for the third one. And uh, I challenge you to never invite Jay onto one of these things, who is actually <laughs> the biggest Harry Potter fan probably of, of the bunch of us. So do not invite him. And if you have, disinvite him immediately. Uh, he does not deserve it. And uh, no, I'm just kidding. I love Jay. It's it's great being here. And I and if you can tell by my mood, I'm in a I'm in a verily, verily a very good mood. Uh, <laughs> Okay. No, it's all right, man. We're happy to have you back. You know, I've been, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a big project. You know, I honestly, I didn't forget about this, but I was like, oh yeah, we have Prisoner of Azkaban. And then I knew Goblet of Fire is coming up and I was like, I should probably start on that. But yeah, it's been crazy myself, but I'm going to pass it over to Nicole. How have you been? I'm good. Like, like Ryan, I'm in a bit of a silly, goofy mood. So mm-hmm. who knows where this is going to go? I'm excited to be back. <laughs> Uh, I'm excited to talk about Remus Lupin on a podcast where it's actually relevant. Unlike whenever I decided to talk about him discussing a movie he's not in. <laughs> but no, I'm I'm so happy to be back for this. So thank you very much. No problem at all. And last but not least, Matthew, how are you today? Yeah, it's very good to be back. I mean, the first time I was on here, we were talking about the season finale of What If, and it was fun to talk about it. And then the last time I was on here, we were doing the Chamber of Secrets, and I had a great discussion. So I can't wait to, to talk about Prisoner of Azkaban, which is my favorite of the series. Yeah, so Matt's actually been re-watching Harry Potter, much like I have, but he's already done. Overachiever. <laughs> <laughs> What a, exactly! What an overachiever you are! Congratulations! Man. I watch it like a fire on all cylinders. So, someone, some of us just watched one movie. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> some of us just did the assignment. I was, yeah. um, I was just like scrolling through Twitter. He's like, not watching Prison Basketball, not watching Goblet of Fire. <laughs> like, I beat Matt, all of you guys. Down. He said, "Is there extra credit?" <laughs> exactly. It's like, I'm do I get extra bonus. credit for watching the Fantastic Beasts? Fifty points. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes, 50 but, points if uh, you can explain the crimes of Grindelwald um, there were none. Like, okay he broke out what, a, what are his crimes I mean really, there, there were no crimes got to prison we'll do. Like an awesome blue the problem is that he was wearing too many scarves they're all fashion Johnny crimes too much cologne by Dior wherever the hell he wears you know. full he, bleach hair he, he went with Abercrombie and Fitch that day so. yeah, uh, there you go <laughs> I actually used to work there. Not gonna lie, I was like, whew, I love that cologne so much growing up. Not anymore. It's 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 literally like ingrained like in my DNA. I'm like, I can't like anytime I sense it, I'm like, that's how I forgot. 
bitch. Like 100%. <laughs> it is crazy, crazy stuff. But yeah, I'm glad you guys are all having a great day. Apologize for my voice. It is a bit raspy. Um, don't know why. I chugged like two things of coffee today. So we'll see where that takes me. But yes, we are here to talk about the prisoner of Azkaban. Very excited. One of my favorites in the series. I say that every podcast, but when I was a kid, I didn't really care for this one because of the Dementors. Scared the crap out of me. And my mom's like, okay, um, I can't take you to see these movies anymore. Because yeah. <laughs> she loved the first two. And I was like, no, but mom, like, I mean, come on, like, seriously, it's all good. But um, we're about to get started with our Prisoner of Azkaban review right after this short break. What's this rubbish? <laughs> What's this rubbish, she says. That there is the secret to our success. It's a wrench giving it to you, believe me. But we've decided your needs are greater than ours. George, if you will. I solemnly swear that I am up to no good. Messrs Mooney, Wormtail, Padfoot and Prongs are proud to present the Marauder's Map. We owe them so much. Hang on. This is Hogwarts. And that... no. Is that really... Dumbledore. In his study. Pacing. Does that a lot. So you mean this map shows... Everyone. Everyone? Everyone. Where they are. What they're doing. Every minute of every day. Brilliant. Where'd you get it? Nicked it from Filch's office, of course. First year. Now listen, there are seven secret passageways out of the castle. We'd recommend this this one. The one-eyed witch passageway. It'll lead you straight to Honeyduke's cellar. Be your best hurry. Filch is heading this way. Oh, and Harry, don't forget, when you're done, just give it a tap and say, Mischief managed. Otherwise anyone can read it. As I watched Nicole mouthing the words. <laughs> not the only one. I just had the mic in my face. Listen, I'm I have, a bit, I have of, my a wand bit ready. of a fan. <laughs> bit of a fan of the no, no. <laughs> Oh, for sure. But of course, as we are here talking today of our Prisoner of Azkaban review, we're just going to get into the meat and potatoes of it. But before we do, I know that Matt and um, Nicole have kind of given their feel as to what their introduction to Harry Potter. If you guys want to do more of like an abridged version, because I'm not sure who's going to be listening to what, you know, everyone has their favorite Harry Potter film and that's all good, you know, and whatnot. But we'll start with Matt. You know, you can give an abridged version if you want to go deep into it. That's fine. Then we'll do uh, Ryan since he's actually never given his before. And then we'll end with Nicole. Yeah, um, my first introduction was the marketing in the TV spots for the first Harry Potter movie, and I didn't know anything about the franchise. I didn't know about the books. I've heard that that it was based on the book, and I didn't read the books until like like the seventh grade. I mean, I've only read the first three, and I only read the first half of the Goblin of Fire, and then Order of the Phoenix, and I kind of fell off a bit afterwards. But I kind of dug the books, and I was like taken by my grandma to go see the Sorcerer's Stone, and I instantly fell in love with this world. I love the casting. I love the trio with. Ro- harry ron and hermione and i've always wanted to do spells and be a wizard and play quidditch and all that stuff and i grew up on the video games it was full of nostalgia and i've like i watched like all eight of them through the theatrical run from beginning to end okay okay beautiful story i'd love to hear it all again ryan what about you what was your introduction to harry potter um well i think most of us um at least for me the books were sort of my first um you know, uh, introduction to them. And really it was around when the first movie was announced that it was going to be made. And my parents had this thing and it sort of tethered me uh, as an adult to uh, my childhood in that 
I try to read the books before they, the movies come out. <laughs> um, so uh, I'm looking at you, Dune. That's what I had to do. Um, but uh, it was it's sort of, it was sort of like if you can read the book, then your reward is the film. And the first couple of films came out around uh, my mom's birthday, so they're all very uh, like personal because we would always take her out and then we would go see you know the first two Harry Potter films and then uh and then this one came out in the summer if I'm not mistaken so it kind of threw a, a monkey wrench into that uh plan I was like <laughs> we'll just celebrate it six months early um but um I um yeah I think that it, it was that and then of course like re-watching them I'm not like a mega mega fan I would say probably like Nicole or like Matt um but I but I it, it's part of I think it's part of our childhood Mm. And I think, you know, you grow up on this and you grow up on Lord of the Rings a lot when you're a kid uh, of my generation. And so, yeah, they're they're very, very special to me. Yeah, yeah, they definitely are. I'm, I'm surprised that I thought you were as a big of a Harry Potter fan as like I mean, Jamie. like if I I mean, like I can get in the muck with the, if I need to, <laughs> like if I'm in a bind and like, I, I mean, I, I was a big fan of, of just anything in general when I was a kid, like I grew up watching the old star Wars films. Uh, we don't need to talk about the prequels. Um, and then, uh, and then, you know, but I think that this was sort of like that, you know, I dressed up as Harry Potter cause I had glasses uh, <laughs> for Halloween. And I uh, don't know if you guys knew that about me. I wear glasses. Um, but uh, I, and I just, and, and yeah, the books are really what I loved. And then, yeah, I mean, how could you not fall in love with these characters, the world, the lore and as they, and then, and, but this one especially is, is, is really important to me. Cause like Matt, this is my favorite, but this is also where like it hit me at a time where, I was sort of right around the same age as Harry portrayed in the film and Ratcliffe and you sort of, they start getting darker and you get more mature and you're facing, you know, uh, like where it's actually like you as a cinephile yourself start to become more like, all right, I don't need like the, the sorcerer stone or, you know, chamber secrets level of stuff anymore. I need like it to be more elevated. And this is surely what this movie does. Yeah, I definitely agree with you there. Um, so we'll pass it off to Nicole, and we'll kind of get into the uh, the weeds of it all. Yeah, so I actually didn't properly get into Harry Potter until I was in high school. As I said, the last time I was on, I tried it whenever it was first coming out, tried reading the first book, wasn't interested. And finally in high school, I was like, all right, I'm tired of being like culturally illiterate about this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. Um, Ended up watching like all the movies that were out up to that point and reading all the books in like a four month time span, I think. So I kind of powered through and Prisoner of Azkaban has always been my favorite book and my favorite movie, along with Deathly Hollows parts one and two. Uh, clearly, right. I like the darker stuff, um, but I just <laughs> bit, a I, bit of an edgier teenage person, I, I, right? I feel yeah, like other people <laughs> were other people were into like emo music. I just I was just into the darker Harry Potter. <laughs> no, but I think that I've always really connected with. Um, I find like the whole storyline around the Marauders and around Seamus, uh, Sirius and Remus, and around uh, James Potter and Lily and all of that like really interesting. I in some ways find them more interesting than our golden trio and so mm. obviously this is a movie that i really connect with i think it's also one of the first that you can call like a proper coming of age movie um in that harry is really starting to deal with his problems in a in a less childlike way in a more mature way 
um, before he gets less mature as the movies go on. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, this is honestly one of my like all time comfort movies. It's a movie I've seen a ton of times, but I did rewatch it specifically for this podcast. And I watched it like in a couple of parts while sort of doing stuff. Cause like, uh, I, I can basically quote the whole thing, but I will say I, I was finishing it this morning and I did cry at the like, while finishing up, you know, at that there, there's a line of seriouses that, that did make me cry. So obviously, even though I've seen it a thousand times, it, it still really emotionally resonates with me. Yeah. So, um, and, and that's a good point to bring up because I did, of course, rewatch it myself as I always do. But, um, yeah, as I mentioned before with me, um, for those of you listening for the first time out there, um, Harry Potter has pretty much been a part of my life since I was in first grade. Uh, first grade teacher used to read a Sorcerer's Stone. Um, can't remember if it was like, I think it was a chapter a week or a chapter a day. I can't really remember, but and then, of course, no one really knew how big it was. It was kind of just, you know, like, oh, like, let's read this book. And then, boom, the movies come out. I mean, back then, there was a movie for every book and every video game out there. So it's like the early 2000s. It was just we were riddled and kind of spoiled with a lot of these um, these great franchises. But um, as I mentioned before, uh, growing up, watching Prisoner of Azkaban when I was younger, because I was like a huge scaredy cat, hated like horror movies, all that stuff. Um, never really dressed up for Halloween all that much. Um, but going to watch Prisoner of Azkaban, I'm like, I was pretty much scared crapless of like just of the mentors when you were a kid. I mean, this came out in November 2004. So it's like, you know, right after, I guess you could say the spooky season, but, you know, we're still like in the harvest of, you know, fall and whatnot. But for some reason, I wasn't super crazy about Prisoner of Azkaban growing up. It was always my least favorite up until probably like five, six years ago where I'm like, wow, this is actually like really, really good. It's just, you know, one of those things where, you know, as you're rewatching throughout the entire franchise, it's like, man, it's like, why did I not like this when I was a kid? Because it's it's in my top three favorites, like of the entire franchise itself. And, you know, it deals with so much um, about depression and just like Nicole said, the coming of age. This is really where Harry kind of starts to we, we we get to see more about Harry's past. Like you mentioned before, Nicole, the first two are kind of more youngish adults, kiddish adventures, but now we get into like the good stuff. <laughs> For sure. <clears throat> Excuse me. But um wanted to kind of pass it around, you know, since we've kind of gone through this through this. Um actually really quick, um Ryan. Uh oh. What is your Hogwarts house? Oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> of course, I mean. <laughs> uh, so I've actually never gotten this answered before, um, mm-hmm. because I never trusted any of the damn tests. Well, That's you why have you have to take all of them. Well, I know I think that was the most random thing I could have said just now. Yeah, <laughs> you I know. I don't know. I mean, like, I don't know. Like, I, some of them have said. Gryffindor, some of them have said Ravenclaw, some of them have said Hufflepuff. I'm gonna claim you. One, I'm gonna claim you for Ravenclaw. Was, How's that? Okay, that's fine. <laughs> Another one. Uh, there was one Slytherin, but I was very. I think I was uh, very uh, dark when I took that. Uh, hey, that test, I'm so. a Slytherin. I'm like Ray Sunshine over yeah, here. Oh, I don't know about that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> or is that um, just my cunning nature? Yeah, I know, right? Um, I don't know what it. No, and 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 it's something that you know. I, I know I should take like all the tests and everything maybe i you know i don't know where i would be but 
Also, uh, I don't I don't think uh, houses define us. I think it's about individuals and people. So, you know. Sounds and, like a Hufflepuff uh, thing. Yeah, yeah that sounded very Hufflepuff. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I think, it's all about, I think that's, yeah, that's our answer. A little bit of a, you know, you never know. I don't, you know. Also, it's like, does it does it really matter, folks? I mean, it, it what matters is the love of the books and the love of the characters. Oh, and, of course, of course. It's, 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 and also, it's a good spending, color scheme. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> and also, like... Well then, I do. I also like. I love red and blue, and I love blue. So it, it's it's. I, I'm a mess. Um, but it's also like it's about the power of spending three hundred dollars on a wand over at Universal Studios. So there you go. I need to still do that. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've actually been to Universal Studios twice. I went to the dip, both parks with Island Adventure and at Universal mm-hmm. Studios. I went to Hogwarts and I went to Diagon Alley, and I had that chosen wand experience. Like yep. I felt like I was Harry. Oh my god! And then, I, and then I, it was like, wow, I did. I really did buy this much. Wow. All right. <laughs> and I bought the legacy Harry Potter one, which that was pretty dope. Yeah, nice. I own two wands. It's it's fine. <laughs> I have a breadstick in the shape of a wand. I think. Uh, I, uh, <laughs> Don't think too hard. That, <laughs> that I ate during the wedding because they literally had like these super long breadsticks. I, I, like, I have a I have a mortgage. And uh, you know, <laughs> I don't know where we're going with that one. Uh, no. No. <laughs> I, I have parents uh, who are easily talked into buying souvenirs on family vacations. That's what that's, I have. Yeah. So I want to go. I really want to go. That's I've never been. You, you uh, will be in for a treat. You'll amazing. definitely feel like you're in the wizarding world. They played the John Williams theme. It, it just felt magical. Oh. I'm going back in January. I'm super excited. Oh, lucky, oh, lucky. Yeah. All right, Ryan. Lucky. We'll, we'll, we'll plan a trip for like <laughs> March next year after the Batman comes out, of course. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> we'll go during the off season. You know, we'll be able to do everything. <laughs> It'll be amazing. <laughs> Me and Nicole will hang out and we won't argue at all. No. Um, <laughs> sure. <laughs> Matt, you're oh. right. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's all good. But yeah, so um, you know, of course, um Nicole's Ravenclaw as <laughs> she proudly she never lets anyone forget. No, I don't. And then I believe Yeah, you kind of give it away by wearing a t shirt. I know, I know. <laughs> I mean, I'm just wearing a standard hardware short. Which one? No, shit, I already said I was because you're a slither and trying <laughs> to hide your loyalty. <laughs> exactly. You never know. I could show up in any house at any time. Um and Matt, I believe you said you're a Gryffindor. Last yeah, time there was the there was moments where I took the test and it said I was a Hufflepuff, and then I took the Buzzfeed when it says that I'm Gryffindor. Well, but that's it, okay. But here's the thing. But the thing is, the beauty thing is, you can choose. The Sorting Hat takes choice into account. Yep. Yeah, I mean, some people actually cross them together. There's like Gryffindor and stuff like that. And <laughs> oh. I'm like, this is getting. <laughs> yeah, no. Thing. I I am half Hufflepuff, half Ravenclaw. I just <laughs> I just chose Ravenclaw because it's a nicer takes color. After the Ravenclaw, yeah. <laughs> she takes over Rebus Lupin more so than um, Cedric Diggory, yeah, of course. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I guess let's just you know get into the you know breaking down the film, you know, giving our thoughts about our rewatch. You know, have we do we still feel the same as we always have about this this uh special special film honestly like when i was like on my rewatch i i swear i was like wow this is just really really good and paced very well and then i've noticed i was just like why did i ever like hate this as a kid but it's like of course when you're a kid everything seems scary so it's crazy but um i guess we'll uh we'll start with nicole you know give us your thoughts about like your rewatch um do you still feel the same way is it still your number one harry potter movie 
I I think to fully say that I will need to rewatch Deathly Hollows part two to like mm. full full on answer that. But I think it is. I really love this movie because I think that the emotional heart of it is really great. Uh, we get all of this sort of information about, you know, we have the characters of, of Remus and Sirius introduced and there's a bit of a mystery around who Sirius Black actually is. But we also have these lovely scenes of Remus telling Harry about his parents and about his friendship with both James and Lily, which I really love. And this is also, I think, maybe the first movie where Hermione and Harry's friendship is as front and center as Harry and Ron's friendship. And Hermione and Harry's friendship is like my favorite thing in the whole series uh, as someone who their, their friendship reminds me a lot of me and my best friend growing up um, who I also met at the age of 11. Um, and so that's really special to me for those moments. I think it's also really interesting. You, you sort of see uh, for the first time here, her, Hermione really putting her life on the line for Harry, which is something that's going to continue like in every subsequent uh, one and, and doing it really purposefully, I think for the first time. Uh, so I just, I really love this movie. There's some things in it that crack me up that like, I know that it's not a great movie. Like the visual effects on Remus as a werewolf are laughably bad. Like I'm not exactly positive what they thought they were doing there. And I have the biggest question for the costume designer of this film. Um, why is everyone's tie so short? Um, I don't know if anyone else knows that the ties are like so strangely done in this film. I have a lot of questions, but it's such a quotable movie. Um, there's so many good lines and so many good scenes. I mean, it's it's the movie where Hermione punches Draco Malfoy, so I have to love it. Best. Finally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember seeing that in theaters and people were just like, it is about damn time like yeah <laughs> i'm sorry i'm gonna be honest with you malfoy needs a beat down yeah. he definitely needs, like someone needs to punch him in the face so hard because he's being a douche yeah i mean it's tom felton so it's like <laughs> like it's, it's crazy it's, as that are like really good friends yeah off yeah camera, and yeah in real yet, life and yet she was just like yeah let me suck she apparently supposedly emma watson had a had a bit of a crush on tom felton around the time of filming oh. this because mm, she's, she's, she's a little bit of a slip-on well they were he was like older than the rest of them by like a year and had a skateboard yeah. so they all thought yeah. he was really cool that tracks for, for beauty and the beast down the road if you know <laughs> i like this dude he's got a skateboard he knows it all he's, he's seen and done it all he's been everywhere you can get cigarettes before I can, you know, like stuff like that. She can start buying rated R video games before. <laughs> Therefore, he can get, get us into a rated R movie. There we go. He exactly. can get a rent a car faster than I can. <laughs> <laughs> he can get he, he can get off his parents' medical insurance before I can. You know? I was just about to say. Don't think there's concerned about that in the UK. But. <laughs> you don't know. Nicole, especially in the wizarding just, world, I mean, yeah, you know, yeah. what's what's Medicare? You know, what's Medicare for them other than like a flick of a wrist? Oh, I don't have the flu yeah. anymore. Mm-hmm. It's know. like, yeah, I, I've, I'm very interested to see what the uh, insurance is. On Isn't the, that uh, the like terrible world. though that they could probably just use magic and never have a sick day? Like, just like you never, well, you but, like probably. I mean, magic you know. isn't like all encompassing. I mean, you there could. are things that you can't I mean, do. I mean, come on, Nicole. They probably could. I'm just like, saying. I mean, 
there are Fred and George were able. Fred and George were able to create a bunch of candy and snacks that makes them sick. That can take a sick day. Yeah, I mean, like J.K. Rowling made up stuff on the fly. She could probably, you know, you know, with the flick of a wand, universal health care for the entire world. Yeah, she's you know, so, she's the creator. Yeah. She's the author. She, she can she, make some stuff up. She's been making stuff up ever since these movies came and out she, that have been changing she things. So stop making like stuff the up. Thing. Better. The whole the whole the whole that, bathroom. Stop! I can't think about that. <laughs> 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 I can't think about that. I read that. I was like, oh, J.K. Rowling. I was like, okay. And I just kept no, scrolling listen, through. That, I'm like, I didn't that, need to know that. It tracks with the rest of the stuff she says lately. So, yeah. Yeah. It was just very weird. I'm like, I love Pottermore, you know, of course, you know, expanding the world and yep. you get to learn more about Remus and whatnot. Yeah, Pottermore, and- like more, like more coming out of her mouth. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 So, yeah, I haven't, haven't be, heard. You got to be high in order to think some of that stuff up. I guess you know? <laughs> it was kind of like she was like, "Oh, is it?" Someone's like, "Is this true?" And she's like, "Yes, sure." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yep, she George it. Lucas herself. That's what she did. She, that's what yep. she's become. Oh, she's George, George Lucas. Yeah, 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 sure. Uh, yeah, I believe everybody on the planet. They, uh, you know, they have metachlorians. Uh, <laughs> yeah, um, faster, and, uh, more intense. Check, check. Yeah, Dumbledore. Beat. Dumbledore is totally gay. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I laid the. I, you know, in my first draft when I wrote the when I wrote the book, I, uh, I totally thought about that. So, <laughs> <yes>. <laughs> you would be the per- perfect George Lucas. Yeah. <laughs> You know, uh, if I did The Last Jedi. Oh, wait, we're not doing No, we're not going to do that. No. <laughs> we're not going to do that. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so, uh, Ryan, did did, uh, did you get a chance to rewatch this? And has your opinions changed since your rewatch? Do you usually rewatch Harry Potter? Like, I know that was like five different questions at once, but. Sure, I'll answer uh, all of them sporadically. Um, I, and what yeah, is your credit score? No, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I, I, I watched Harry Potter. Uh, not as much as I would want to, because my wife is uh, not a big fan of Harry Potter. Uh, she thinks it's uh, dumb, and uh, but she, but she also loves Lord of the Rings, so that's where she sort of sided uh, in that whole debate. I think you can love two things, um, you know, um, you know, in this world. Uh, this is an argument we have. This is just insight in my marriage at this point. This is this is Oscar this Isaac feels, scenes of a marriage kind therapy. of stuff. Yeah, you know what, guys. <laughs> I'm actually right over here is a couch. I'm going to be right back. I'm just going to go sit on it while and yell <laughs> out my feelings. Um, but no. Um, so I don't get to watch it nearly as much. But but because Christian, you invited me on this podcast, I had to rewatch it. And it was the first time I actually rewatched it since the last time I talked with Nicole about it. Oh, really? On my show, Busting the Block uh, with Kevin Lee, we talked about Harry Potter yes, and did. the Prisoner of Azkaban. You have your own show? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, oh, you know, I've, I've got a ton. I've got a ton of shows. Uh, sometimes, on occasion, on occasion. Um, but no, um, I I love this movie, and I've loved it since it's uh, it it came out. And I think it's mostly because I just love Alfonso Cuarón, and I love the fact that like this man made a movie because Guillermo del Toro told him to. And like, and like, like ever, you ever know when like your best friend says you should do something and you do it and Mm -hmm. it works out like that's the product of this movie, by the way, I'm just going to point that out, like the power of friendship and, uh, and he took this franchise and steered it in a direction, uh, that it needed desperately to go to. And I love 
these characters. I love where they go. I love the introduction of, uh, you know, of Lupin, who is one of my favorite Harry Potter characters. The introduction of Sirius Black uh, in Gary Oldman, which is a top three Gary Oldman character performance, uh, you know, throughout the this film franchise. I love Emma Thompson. I love, um, of course, the returning cast. And I love also, too, the, the intro. This is. Sadly, the introduction to Michael Gambon as as Dumbledore, who like I love Richard Harris and he's sort of great, but it also is kind of important that you know I know that you know Richard Harris died and it's very sad, but it, it kind of makes sense that Michael Gambon becomes Dumbledore here because it's a more physical Dumbledore and he's not this like you know need a walking stick sort of you know uh dumbledore he's, he's like very hands-on from this movie on and he de- he you know gambin delivers the true dumbledore performance and um i think that it's great to show the maturity of this world but also it's like the score in this one is is more haunting the cinematography the the the, the edits uh, sort of from scene to scene the Dementors are, I can understand it being haunting because they are. And uh, it's just all around what you would want out of a blockbuster. And you know, what's crazy about it is that like big time directors nowadays, I think they play it so safe when they get an existing property um, and don't put their own spin on it. I think of like, Taika Waititi putting his own spin on a Marvel movie, right? And that's why Thor Ragnarok stands out a lot. Or Ryan Coogler putting his mark on Black Panther. Great filmmakers are able to do that and break a mold. And I think what Columbus did in the first two was sort of generic. And this then says, okay, what can I do with this world? Well, magic is haunting. Growing up is haunting. Learning the truth is haunting. It's it's sad, and you have to wrestle with those emotions. I think Quran, along with this cast and everything about it, they just are clicking on all cylinders. It's the best Harry Potter movie. I've talked a lot. Hopefully, I answered all the questions. If not, sue me. I'm still waiting for that credit <laughs> score. No, I'm just kidding. No, I'm, kidding. <laughs> I'm just messing with you. But no, you you brought brought up some really great points, man. Like this, you know, as we said, this is a coming of age story, and it's 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 so it is it's like. It's so dreary, like the entire, like the the tone, the entire, um, the color mapping and whatnot, and some of the cinematography that happens, especially with Hermione with the um, with her time traveling uh, turntable, I guess you could call it. But sorry, I'm blanking on the name of the actual device itself. But you know, just a lot of those scenes, it's like wow, they really like they took care of this movie because a lot starts to just come out. Um, and for Gary Oldman, not gonna lie. Totally forgot he was in this movie. I was like, wow, that is him. And I knew it was him. I was like, I kind of forgot that was him. I'm like, you know what? Yeah, that is him. But it's, you know, the makeup and the wig and whatnot. It's like, oh, yeah, it's Gary Oldman. It's like, oh, yeah. But then you mentioning it, like, oh, yeah, Gary Oldman was in that movie, wasn't he? So I only watched it like a few days ago. But some crazy, crazy stuff. Um, so let's go over to Matt really quick. You know, um, what, what were your thoughts about the uh, the rewatch so far? That You know, ha- has your feelings changed? 
No, it hasn't changed at all. This is definitely my favorite of the whole eight movies. I mean, I just love that now we're getting into the more maturity and the more suspenseful and haunting than the first two films. We see uh, Harry now beaten more ballsy than he was in the first two like now he's not uh, putting up with their crap with the, the family that he's with and Malfoy and everyone around him and he doesn't really have anyone to connect with the only one is is his friends is Ron and Hermione and I love that his relationship with him and Professor Lupin and, and talking about his parents and about his past that he didn't know about and I thought it was so special Gary Ullman is just the goat I mean he's incredible any movies in I mean at the time when this movie come out I didn't know anything about Gary Gary Ullman at the time <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. And the, the, the thing I really appreciate is that the filmmaker was able to let you in, like make you feel like you're there in the film, especially in the train sequence when the Dementors were trying to look for Sirius Black. And when it gets dark and gets haunting and scary and very suspenseful, it, they he does not like miss once. My one of my favorite scenes is the Buckbeak scene when he, now he's flying with Buckbeak for the first time and he Harry just does that cane of the world like Titanic style. It was just beautiful and magical and one of the best shots looking in cinema and and, and the Quidditch game. Oh, my God. It added more stakes. He's getting chased by Dementors in a thunder lightning storm. It was crazy. It like it, it was visually well stunning. And him performing the Patronus charm at the third act finale, saving his uh, past self and serious was cinema yeah pure cinema much like uh dune part one but we're not here to talk about <laughs> <laughs> movies yeah <laughs> from that big screen yeah, yeah man i mean i wish i could see this movie on the big screen again because it, it, not, it would be oh did you see it oh i was gonna say did everyone see it on the big screen I did, I did originally I but i want to go oh, back once when um, it came out in theaters <laughs> only once but yeah, i want to go back and revisit it again yeah. yeah. No, it I I remember my experience with it and it was almost like you're like, oh, you know, you're gonna go see a, a Harry Potter movie. <laughs> and then and then you're like, oh my god, I think I just saw something like amazing. Also, <laughs> like, John, the John Williams music. This is the and this was the last time we get to see have John Williams in the franchise. I mean, he just knocked it out of the park. It was yeah. chills. R.I.P. John Williams. Oh, wait, I mean his tenure in Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> See, yeah um, <laughs> no the, the score was just it was very hauntingly beautiful like i mean i, yeah. I still listen to it on spotify i even have a vinyl so, like, record of it so i think it's also like <laughs> yeah the movie's also like darkly funny too like which yeah. is great because like you have to have like i mean that opening you know the, the sequence with with the end and her blowing up and everything it's like yes and then like and then as he's walking to the bus <laughs> She's in the background flying away. Like, yeah, just, you she, she's going to be fine. <laughs> As she's just roaming around the town. Oh my okay, God, but it's also, great. there's that great scene where they're like, Remus is teaching them all how to get rid of a boggart. And oh, Neville's yeah. like, <laughs> we, we, get, we get Alan Rickman like in drag, essentially. <laughs> like, Look, we stand a legend. All right. We, Hans Gruber in drag. We all right. Love so, that so you know. Much. Uh, which is great like too you know because i think like everyone else's is like like a snake or then it's like harry's is like a dementor or whatever mm. but like it is clear and it as it should be that neville's is professor snape and it's like you know what he's not wrong yeah children i mean he's terrifying at times in this like when he 
catches Harry with the with the map, and but then like there's too like the pictures. Well, you shut that light off. You know what I mean? Like, Are you dead? Put that light off. You know, and uh, I just love it. Like, I mean, you just love these great small moments, even if it doesn't impact the movie. You still enjoy it and laugh. Oh. He always has a presence in the movies too. Like like when he takes over for Lu- you know Lupin in this and then mm-hmm. you know turn turn the page three hundred and ninety four. You know what I mean? Or yeah. Or then it, even in like in, in Goblet of Fire where he like where they're in, I guess, a study hall and they're talking or whatever. And he just like slams their faces pretty <laughs> much in the like, textbook in their heads. Alan Rickman, just oh, 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 the great Alan Rickman. Oh, God rest his soul. But then also, too, this movie has one of my favorite scenes in Harry Potter, period. And that is. And I know we're sort of jumping the gun on it, but like no. it, the confrontation oh. between Lupin and Remus and um, uh, and and uh, Warm Wormtail, right? Yeah, Wormtail. And, yeah, and, and and then of course Snape comes into the fold, and it's all what it's like what Nicole talked about. It's all the history mm-hmm. of these characters, and you don't have to like you know sort of have a Venn diagram, but it's like all this drama of before Voldemort was gone, their time in school, everything just coming back. And it is such a casual arguments. And I love when Snape goes, look at you two bickering like an old married couple. And why don't yeah. you run back to your chemistry set? Exactly. You know, and it's, and it's, <laughs> it's thing. It's, you know, like if it was like not PG or whatever, like it, it would be like even worse than that. But, <laughs> but it's, it's the familiarity of, of that but of, of these characters already and we met them in this movie in the mm. history that bleeds into it and harry and ron and hermione are learning all this but they're seeing you know that this is all you know when you know the contextuality of this of, of this series you know that snape is defending harry and ron and hermione not just as students but he's continually defending them because of these people used to be the friends of his parents, the woman that he loved. And there is, it, it, there's all this baggage that comes from those decisions that are not made by him. They're made by Dumbledore. Mm-hmm. And he is desperately trying to find, you know, that, you know, find out a way to, to, you know, throw um, Lupin under the bus. Right. And basically say, like, see, he's letting in his old friend. I told Dumbledore yeah. that he were trying to sneak an old friend into the castle, but he wouldn't listen to me. The old man's kooky. He wouldn't listen. And there, there is the element that he thinks that Sirius Black is the reason that Lily Potter was killed. And yeah. that's yeah. the woman yeah. that he was in love with. Like, so of exactly. course. And you see the conversation between and you see the conversation between him and um, um, Sirius. Like, he's really furious that he's the one that betrayed yeah. when, he sticks the, when he sticks his wand right into his neck and goes, why shouldn't I, you know, but by, why deny the Dementors, you know what I mean, either of the joy of killing you, you know what I mean? And the books had not been written yet before, you know, the, the final book had not been written. So this has not come out, but yet it's there. And it's what this is like Shakespearean sort of acting right here oh, yeah. at its finest. And you have these three or even four when you count Timothy Spall's character in here and they're just all at the A level. And then of course there's our main characters who are doing a fantastic job. And this is a movie where 
you finally get to see that the decisions that the casting directors made years before paid off immensely, especially for Daniel Radcliffe, who has to go to an emotional place that he's never truly gone to before. This is this is one uh, he's gone through sorrow and he's gone through sadness, but he's never gone through that with anger mixed into it when he's and and, and pain. Yeah. Yeah. And grief and all of it and an act of uh, or a hinge of revenge thrown in there too. This is sort of the first movie I think where Harry starts to really have an idea of what exactly he has lost. Um, because he does start finding out more actual stuff about both his mother and his father, uh, from Remus. And I think there's also that hint of, you know, for him knowing that Remus was friends with them, having an idea of what his life would have been like had he been raised by his parents with Remus as like an uncle figure. And I think that that sort of flows into the fact that, like you said, like we've seen him have this like sadness before, but this is the first time where it really crosses over into like a more mature grief. Uh, and, and he's dealing with, with the Dementors and, and, you know, sort of these feelings about, well, you know, he asks, why am I more affected by these than other people? And, and Remus tells him, you know, because you have experienced worse things than your classmates have and sort of the unfairness of that, I think he's sort of reckoning with for the first time. And the thing that really breaks my heart is, um, you know, whenever, Sirius asks him if he would like to come and live with him. And I think it's sort of this reminder that Harry is living when he's not at Hogwarts in an abusive household and how, you know, just how much this boy actually has gone through and is going through um, and his joy at the thought of getting out of that, I think is really heartbreaking whenever then it doesn't work out. Yeah. Yeah. that, Yeah. that, That is very true. It's, it's so, and you really started to see like it's you know since the beginning but it's it's kind of like harry starts to realize how bad of a hand he's been dealt like we we know in the you know in the first two but it's really like oh you know these were supposed to be you know like these were my dad's friends and you know between you know him trying to quote unquote not look for serious because you know he's always lurking about and then you're learning about the animagus and whatnot even during the beginning of the uh film after he blows up his aunt it's like harry's alone until you know the night bus comes so he kind of has to find his way you know he leaves the dursleys he's kind of fed up with everything and then he just storms out and then he kind of realizes like he doesn't have anyone with him even though you know, throughout the movie, you know, he he's he does start to, you know, unfold a little bit here and there. Like Remus is probably more like just like Sirius until Sirius gets introduced or he finds out the truth. It really was like the only actual connection to his father, because I'm assuming that like obviously um, like Hagrid and or um, um, Professor Dumbledore knew his parents, but it's like, hey, you know, here's Remus Lupin, like one of your dad's best friends. And I think this is really all about i mean it's it's much as a remus lupin story as is harry especially i think for this film just because you know we see his trials and tribulations we see you know what he has to deal with on a monthly basis (laughs) and i think we start to see that the wizarding world does have problems because i think up until this point you know there's some like negligence here and there and we get that like oh there is some like uh 
you know, there, there is this whole thing around blood purity, but this is, I think, where we really start to see that, like, the wizarding world has as many problems as the muggle world, muggle world does in the way that Remus is treated for being a werewolf. And I think that, like, that's a really interesting element to it, is that, like, as the films go on, our, like, rosy view of the wizarding world sort of gets chipped away at again and again and again. And I think this is, like, a major time where we find out not only, you know, is Remus treated this way for, for being a werewolf, but also, I mean, it makes me so mad to watch this movie because I'm like in a wizarding world where you have a serum that makes people tell the truth. How does someone get falsely imprisoned? Bingo. Uh, and this, I think oh, yeah, it, yeah. it also goes, I think it's perfect that this is the first movie that we have with, the new Dumbledore in that I think that, you know, Richard Harris is a much more like jovial Santa Clausy Dumbledore. Um, <laughs> then, he's, a, he's a let everything slide sort of Dumbledore. And then Michael Gambon yeah. is a man that I'm like, okay, yeah, I don't know that I think that this is a good man. I think this is a genius who is mm. pulling all these strings for things to work to his own benefit. And I think that, you know, whenever you think about sort of that with Sirius and how he ended up in prison for 12 years for a crime that he didn't commit, um, I think that really starts to become more clear and it's sort of where things start to start unraveling. Yeah. yeah. It shows the hypocrisy of, of everything around it, including the wizarding world. I mean, we see that a lot in order of the Phoenix um, and the denial of, of, of the existence of, of Voldemort, but really here, it's also, you see um, Dumbledore, sorry, you know, you giving them this tool Harry and Hermione to say that maybe an innocent man can be freed. And, and, and really in a lot of ways that shows that as powerful of a wizard and influential of a wizard that Dumbledore is, even he is not able to get above the powers uh, that be of the wizarding world. He still, you know, is, is helpless in this situation and to this cause. And, and, and it's, yeah, Michael Gambon is really, really good in here. And then, you know, there are those, those like the small moments. I mean, Order of the Phoenix is is pinnacle of like Harry and Sirius's relationship, but there's the moment when they're carrying him out, and you know they're talking about like you know uh, you know his dog bites or whatever you know or the fleas, the murder, yeah. you know, <laughs> and stuff like that too. But it's it's why like it's so devastating later on down the road about Sirius is, is that like there are these moments by the end of the film where it's like Harry actually has a proper parent in this world and like he's he sort of sees you know we sort of see later on down the road that like dumbledore sort of takes over that reign but really you know in the in the in the weasleys do their best but they have their children you know what i mean hermione's parents are muggles so they're very non-existent and this think, is his parents and it's and it's great to see that and i think we see too that not only in both remus and sirius do we sort of have these parental figures and i also think you know presumably these are the people that James and Lily wanted him left to if yes. something happened to yes. him. Sirius yeah. is his godfather. He's the person he was meant to grow up with should, mm -hmm. you know, something have happened to the Potters. But I also think it's really heartbreaking that we see that here are also two people, um, Remus and Sirius, who lost their best friends, lost their sort of found family um, because, you know, Sirius considered James his brother. He was living with the Potters by the time they, they were at the end of their school mm -hmm. years. And they knew for these 12 years that this kid was out there in the world 
and they couldn't do anything for him and they couldn't mm-hmm. be with him and they couldn't do what their best friends wanted them to do for him. So I think, and also, you know, thinking about the fact that, you know, there is the whole thing too of like, did Remus think that Sirius had actually done it? At what point does he figure out his innocence? There's stuff in the books about the fact that I think, you know, Sirius, they, they, they were all sort of wondering if, if Remus had, was actually going over to the dark side at one point. So there is, you know, the pain that these two adults have lived with for the past 12 years. And, you know, Sirius says like, I did my waiting 12 years in Azkaban (laughs) that these 12 years he's been waiting to be able to avenge what happened to the people that he was closest to in the world and figure out where Harry is. Yeah. And he's and he's fueled by revenge and rage, mm-hmm. obviously, for being stuck in prison. But you know, Lupin's sort of just telling him flat out, like, no, we we have Peter here. We're going to turn him <laughs> in. And they, you know, obviously that doesn't get to work out nearly as as to the benefit or even Snape to see that, you know, because they knock him out before uh, or Harry knocks him out before <laughs> that that is revealed. Um yeah. and and it's sort of also to Harry's first acts of real defiance and not caring about the consequences down the road. And you know, what's, what's great about it too. It's like Alan Rickman only gets mad at him, but it's not like really much you can do. It's also like the epitome of I'm Harry Potter. If I want to fucking know an answer, I'm going to know an answer. Yeah. And and like (laughs) later on, it's like, he goes, come here, Potter. And then he realized, oh, snap, Lubin's changed. Okay. And I got to protect you kids. Like, you know, like, <laughs> it's, it's like all, everything that in that moment, he's like, Potter. It was like, but oh, like God, everything, get it. but everything leading up to it. I mean, like the stuff about the Patronus um, and learning about that and its relationship into this, into this franchise. I mean, like a Patronus is more than just like a, a safety. It, it is. Well, it is a safety net. I mean, it, it and, but it's also, it's, it's much more personal. It's, it's more emotional. And I mean, we learn later on down the road how deeply personal that can be. Um, but there is like this, uh, this uh, attachment to it, you know, in, in this film. And, and I think the way that, that it's presented here also too, in the visual effects with it, I mean, it's really well done. Yeah. Like, I mean, uh, you know, and, and kind of how, when I was thinking about it in the books, like the way the Dementors and the way that this sequence as well has happened, it's like, I understand people that get, because this is a controversial sort of take because people love this book, but they hate this movie. But I think that there, I think that there are, there are enough differences, but enough similarities too, where, you know, I, I was like, well, yeah, I can kind of only see like, this is the way to make this movie rather than, you know, maybe making it more, of like the the previous ones we have to take this step yeah uh, movies wise eventually right? yeah eventually sort of speaking to the differences in the book and the movie there's a few and they a few of them do bother me like there's a lot more quidditch in the book I, that's yeah. fine that's yeah. gotta go i i do think it is sad that like <laughs> this series got this series introduced that in the first film and right. said you know what I do think it is a little bit sad because in the book you do get the character of Cho Chang introduced first as another Quidditch player and like a Quidditch rival for Harry. And so later whenever he like develops feelings for her, she's already sort of an established presence and not just there to be a love interest. So that's a little sad. But 
I think that the two changes that like really do bother me is one, we miss a lot of Marauder's backstory in the movie. And some of that I do wish we had gotten because I think that there are things later on in the movies that like don't make as much sense if you've not read the books um, or haven't like read up on the full backstory there. But also in the book, I believe Harry, like his memory that he uses to conjure the Patronus for the first time is when he found out that he was a wizard and knew that he was going to get to leave the Dursleys. And I think that like going back to what I was saying earlier about the fact that Harry Potter is a child from an abusive household um, and sort of the meaning of, of that being the happiest thing that's ever happened to him is, is getting out of that household versus I I feel like the the thing that they substitute for it in the movie is like kind of weird. It's like, it's like like just him talking. He's like, he's like, I, I, I'm, thinking maybe i have a memory of my parents i don't even know if it's really real um which i'm like okay um and then the other thing i think the other big change is the whole thing with the firebolt and him getting sent um the broom which obviously it makes sense to sort of cut that i'm I'm intrigued by the fact that they left it in at all but i do you know that is one of the things in the book that we see that like hermione puts harry's best interest um above what he even does a lot of the time like she's thinking three steps ahead and it's like you just got a mysterious package like um maybe we shouldn't (laughs) trust that considering who you are and what's going on in the world um and harry (laughs) is in many ways like still a dumb boy and it's like nice a broomstick (laughs) (laughs) yeah Oh man, that that actually is, is a really good point. Yeah, with Cho Chang, I I totally forgot about that. Thank you for bringing that up because it's been a while since I read the books. But yeah, because she gets in, she's in Order of the Phoenix. But yeah, like she's she's yeah. more love and we like because kind of just there in the book she's introduced in um this one as like a Quidditch player, and then we see her as like uh as Cedric Diggory's love interest and then finally we see her as Harry's love interest whereas in the movies we only ever see her in this like love interest role and right. obviously as a Ravenclaw oh, yeah. I'd like more Ravenclaw <laughs> representation um so no, I but, guess speaking yeah. of Ravenclaw re- representation <laughs> explain to us why why is Remus looping your favorite I mean yeah I- I'd love so it. the thing about Remus is that I have talked to other other Ravenclaws, and because we have so few Ravenclaws, we've all kind of decided that, like, Remus is actually a Ravenclaw. He's a Gryffindor, but, like, he doesn't show most of those traits. <laughs> like, kind of like... Yeah, he does Yeah. Yeah, like, I'm, I'm sorry. When he pulls out that record player, I'm like, there he is, <laughs> my Ravenclaw <laughs> man. Um, no, but I think it, it is a funny thing that, like, a lot of other Ravenclaws I've talked to were like, oh yeah, our comfort character, that's Remus Lupin. Um, because he is sort of, he he also, I think, is a really interesting character in that whenever you do get the stuff about the Marauders, he functions in a very similar role in some ways to Hermione in that he is like sort of the smart one of the trio. He's less brash than the others. He's not um, as willing to bully people as perhaps Sirius and and James are. But also he's the one who's dealing with this sort of affliction. For him, it's being a werewolf, but for Hermione, it's the fact that she has to deal with the discrimination that she's facing because of being a muggle-born. And so I think that it's there's some really interesting parallels there between those two characters um, that that are really fun. And I think that those are two characters that a lot of Ravenclaws want to like claim as their own. Um, because we have so few Ravenclaws, especially in the movie. Um, yeah, yeah, that is true. Because I mean, 
growing up, it's always, it's always been the, the big question, you know, like, should have Hermione been in Ravenclaw instead of Gryffindor? And there's always the, you know, what if Harry wasn't Slytherin? Yep. I think he would make a kick-ass Slytherin. I agree. Honest. Like, I agree. <laughs> like he would have done very well, but it's, I wonder how much of his story would have changed if he was in Slytherin versus two. But yeah, it's, it's always been the big question. And it's too I much saw- of a, too much of a good person to be in. And Slytherin, because he's a mean people. No. They're just mean, mean people. Oh, no. In the dungeon, I say, <laughs> get in that dungeon, Christian. Um, Professor yeah, well, that, that was always what threw me off. I know we're not doing the last film, but like in the last film, they're like, S- put the whole house in the dungeon. I-, I was that guy in the background. I'd be like, I don't agree with these people. What the hell is going on? Okay, no, but, like, but the other thing too Slytherin. is, um, when in the first one, when they're like, not troll. a pseudo Nazi around. In the first one, when they're like, troll in the dungeons. Everyone, return to your dormitories. Um, they literally said, there's a troll down there. Slytherins, it's fine. Just go. Just go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're going to be like, fine. Just put yeah. them in the dungeon. <laughs> Who's really getting discriminated around here? That's what we're saying. You know? <laughs> Thank you. <No>. Yeah. <laughs> Justice for the Slytherins yeah. out there. Well, not and, too much. Not too much. You still have, like, you know. And Harry does not want to be in Slytherin because he doesn't want to end up dealing with Malfoy and a bunch of jerks around. Him because they're right, now Griffin, right now, Gryffindor and Slytherin, they're just in a rivalry. <laughs> yeah. And then like Ravenclaw and Hufflepuff are like, you know, we live in this school too, you know. You're like, I am just trying to do my schoolwork. <laughs> yeah. The <laughs> fuck? I got, I got I mean? no beef with you. I got no beef. Well, we barely <sighs> see the Hufflepuffs, at least in... I mean, obviously, you know, it's all about the Gryffindors, but they should make a nice little about stick them. about that. All about yeah, the Gryffindors. So, there you yeah, go. All about them. <laughs> um, but it, you, we, we see the Hufflepuffs for like a hot second because, of course, you know, when Harry's going through. Yeah, we see them in like in like the wide shots of the Grand Hall <laughs> and they're just like eating there and they're like, anybody ever going to talk to us this year? I guess not. <laughs> Are we ever going like, to get the camera play I'm just studying. I'm just <laughs> eating, bro. Like, yeah. honestly, oh, wait. Wait, we got. We're gonna be at least part of maybe one tracking shot or something yeah. like anything at all. Like you guys no, ever think we're getting our own close up? God, could nah. you imagine like you had a, as an actor on a resume? I was a Raven Claw or a Hufflepuff extra on the Harry Potter movie. Oh, movie so you definitely, seconds. you definitely did not have a speaking line. That's what no. you're saying. No. You know, I, I was in a I'm hallway saying, scene. I'm saying down yeah. with right the Gryffindors. Down with the Gryffindors. Yeah, I mean like Honestly, you know, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, both of them. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Sorry, Matt. I'll give you a. I mean, you I, can I, choose I, it right I don't now. even know what house I'm a part of, but I, I'll go with it and just say like this. That's messed up, man. Yeah, like, that's yeah. that's terrible. Also, you know what? That's people, bad stories. Listen, story people are like, oh, all the evil people are in Slytherin. Like Gryffindor is all good people. Um, <laughs> Percy Weasley and Peter Pettigrew are both Gryffindors. <laughs> I'm just yeah. saying, I think they're some of the slimiest people in the whole thing. So honestly, well, yeah. And fun fact: James Potter was a bully to Snape. He was a jerk. Also, would not leave Lily Evans alone, which no, I don't not love. at all. <laughs> well, even in this, it's I mean, you know, I mean, you can't even see it. With I mean, I know we're getting a little ahead here, but still about prison <laughs> rescuing for sure. But well, you see, you know, Ron's like sulking in Goblet of Fire, and he's just he's just a jerk the entire time. Ron is consistently a jerk to Hermione the entire series. Well, that's a flirtation one on one. That's what happens when he's into her. <laughs> I love Ron. Ron is my favorite character, like hands down. I don't know what I just I've always gravitated towards him because I'm like, if I was in, you know, not in Gryffindor, if, if I just went to Hogwarts, <laughs> I would be Ron. Like I literally would be. I, <laughs> he's not the brightest person, but 
he knows how to, you know, enjoy himself, have a good life, you know, whatnot. I probably would be Harry. I know I'm a little biased, but I I love the character so much and I connected with him. I mean, I'm like the kind of person who is learning everything at once because I because he never grew up at, with the wizarding family and yeah. he was totally unprepared. And I kind of felt the same way about, about the character. Yeah, that that is very true. It's, you know, with Prisoner of Ask, it really just is like, I mean, everything that happens between even the uh, the Buckbeat scene with... Uh, <laughs> With, um, oh my gosh, with Draco, you know, of course, so you know, good. we oh. finally get Hagrid in this teacher-esque role. He's not just the, oh, like, you know, something bad's happened. Let's go find Hagrid. Like, kind <laughs> of thing. <laughs> Let's give him a purpose. <laughs> it's like Ron has like slugs coming out of his mouth. Let's not go. Uh, well, let's to- <laughs> not take him to the hospital wing. Let's just take him to Hagrid. He'll know what to do know so that we can do. make this emotional scene happen. Yeah. But I, I really, you know, it's... I was always waiting for Hagrid to kind of not just be, you know, the groundskeeper, but he finally becomes a teacher and for better or for worse, for better or for worse. Cause he (laughs) was doing a good job until Malfoy is just like, Oh, to be fair though. He's like, I've brought this really dangerous creature. If you don't do this exactly right, you are going to get injured now. 13 year olds. Let's go. Yeah, <laughs> of course you would. Of course you would say that, Nicole freaking Raven. McGonag- <laughs> McGonagall took them into the dark forest with Hagrid in a dangerous forest that were that were forbidden for students to go saying, to. I'm just saying, Remus is one of the only responsible teachers who ever teaches. At all oh, very course. true. Yeah. yeah, and it's a bummer that he was no longer actually, professor. Which there's, is a, there's a reason why Snape is long tenured. I'm just going to say he's actually he, he's probably pretty fucking good at his he's, job. He's one of the best. He's, he's able to like go from class to class. Yeah, like clearly he knows he knows. He knows the stuff. He's like, I'm not just doing my job. I'm doing everybody's. All right. Yeah, everybody, every time he shows up in front of the students right behind him, like, hello. Potter. And he just, like, <laughs> like, just like, mm-hmm. he's just, he's just all about business. Scaring man. the hell out of the kids. Dude. Speaking, like, of, speaking of teachers, I also have to mention Emma Thompson in this movie as Professor Trelawney. Yes. Is so fun. Yeah. It's such a fun kooky performance. And I also think <laughs> in many that ways she like gives Hermione her own too. It's yeah. like it's, I feel like this performance is such a predecessor to her as Nanny McPhee in some ways. Like it's the same level oh, of weird. Right. Like <laughs> Yeah, she's like Nanny McShade in this movie. She's like throwing it left and right. You know what I mean? And like, listen. And it, who would have thought that like Emma uh, Emma Watson needed like Shade thrown at her. She got this pissed. early in a franchise. <laughs> I get she it. She smashed that fortune ball. I get <laughs> like it because walked out of the classroom at that age. Anything that didn't come naturally to me, I had no interest in. Um, that's why I don't play sports. Um, you. <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah i get it though I, I get that that's very like in her character and like it's it's kind of fun to see a teacher yeah. be like okay <laughs> but she also like th- threw her profession under the bus <laughs> and like and so like it also was like well you know i'm just pointing out your lonely sad life if you continue down this path of just stuffing your face in a book um you know and um <laughs> Uh, I love that though, like when you know, because in the book, it it you know you you see Hermione's schedule, and you're like, how are they going to do that in the movie? And I actually think they handle that really well because of the not only because of like when she just pops in, yeah. but the humor that Rupert Grint has to present. I'm like, where'd you come from? 
was she here before? Like, where did she come from? Like, it's, it's, she's always it's like, I've always been here, Ron. Like, it's the way yeah, that like, she like, like puts him down every time. It really does yeah. for me. Yeah, when you're uh, watching, when you're watching the film and you see Hermione just appear out of thin air, like, where the hell did she come from? But then yeah. when you get to the third act about the time travel, now it makes more sense. Now yeah, she's been like, doing that's the time how she's been this whole time. I also have to yeah. say that's how she's been so. getting to every classes. I love the way that they handled time travel in this. I think that it's oh, like yeah, that was great. It's so fun. It makes logical sense. Um, mm-hmm. Everything checks out with how like time travel works in the wizarding world. And I think that having mm-hmm. those shots where you are able to see like past them, I guess, and like present them when they're going back to fix things is so fun. And the way that like they let that unfold in a way that we're sort of learning with them how this works, I think is really clever. And I, I do think this is actually my favorite use of time travel in like any movie. Yeah, because generally when Hollywood, they usually just use time, time travelers that are get out of jail free card. But in the context of the story, it made more sense. Mm-hmm. It worked. Yeah, it's it's always muddled when it comes to uh, time travel and everything. And even like when I went to go see Avengers Endgame, people are like, well, this doesn't make sense. But I'm like, okay, you believe that there is a man who got bit by a spider <laughs> and now has superpowers. <laughs> That you well, believe. I'm just saying your logic needs to work in world. If your logic doesn't work in world, we've got a yeah, problem. I mean, like this is it, that's that's different. Don't go down that rabbit hole, Christian, because <laughs> it doesn't make that. sense. We don't have time. Yeah, for we don't have time I, for that. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, like there, I like the movie, but yeah, it's it's not my favorite use of time travel. No, it? like that movie's just like, yeah, we're gonna do time travel. Wait, we're gonna have questions about it. No, it's not important. Uh, we just want to. This this is more. This is more intricate like nicole's mentioning this is a dance this is like you have to get this right because it's so important to the actual plot of this like Mm. it is important for the future of this franchise too because of what they are this is this is also a mission like there's it's very time sensitive there's a you know and then there's like harry's like aggression, like or anger in there too, because he's like, I could, oh, that's pedigree right there. I could kill him, and yeah. it could be all over. But then, you know, the restraint. Yeah. yeah, it has to happen the way that it does because it's already happened, and the ways in which right. they built that in, um, even visually, I think is really smart because it it shows that like they can't go away from what they need to do because they've already done it. Um, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's going in like an it's a cycle. It's just a loop, and. I love the part when they just don't constantly keep re-showing the same scene over and over again because you're just seeing the same scene, but from Hermione and Harry's point of view. And that and I thought it was worked perfectly. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah especially, you know, when, they, when they're trying to free Buckbeat. Um, that was very, it was smart. Just the camera work of, you know, you assume that Buckbeat died because, yeah, yeah. but you don't see the body quote-unquote or you know and kind if you of, didn't I, see them if you didn't see the body died then they're not dead <laughs> if you don't see them dead yeah so also it, too like what's great about that is like so the scene of course we all know it's not buckbeak dying it's it's them saying you know but what's so it always gets me every time it's like the mind of the guy that's going to behead buckbeat it's like listen guys I sharpened this thing yes. for a while. Yeah. <laughs> I got to chop something fucking I'm like, now. do you not get right? paid now? Do you down. not get paid because you're yeah, doing something? Yeah, do I not get... <laughs> like... 
I know. Did you guys need pumpkin for tonight? Were you guys making any pumpkin bread or anything? Maybe like. But I'm gonna chop. I'm gonna just chop this pumpkin. I'm just, yeah, just, I'm just gonna I'm chop gonna this. Chop something. You know, it pumpkin guts count. It was on the on the brochure. Um, like it's it's. It was so, in the job description. Yeah, it's in the it's in the fine you know subsec paragraph two memo. article three. You know, it says if 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 bird not there, then pumpkin must be destroyed <laughs> for payment. You know, that was um, yeah. If, if a living goes missing, then I'm gonna have to chop something else. That is he go, when he goes home to his wife, she'll be like, "Did you kill that bird today?" <laughs> no, I didn't. Uh, I actually <laughs> another pumpkin. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Just kill that bloody chicken. Yeah. <laughs> no. You, you couldn't get like bird. a rat or, or a bird or something. You just had to shoot and you had to get another pumpkin, didn't you? You, yeah. you couldn't and, kill the bloody bird? Yeah, he's, 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 he's sitting on the couch tonight. That's what's happening. I just really no. find it so funny when, like like we said, you know, it's it's the more the dark comedy in this, but I think like the number one laugh out moment besides, you know, Malfoy being punched in the face was <laughs> during when he's meeting buckbeat and then you know he i mean he gets his arm scratched in the in the movie and then oh, yeah. afterwards he's like oh oh it hurts so bad and like you it know killing me. He, and he's like you know milking some dirt it on it malfoy you'll be fine yeah like he's he's milking it like in the grit hall and you know uh like what a pansy yeah and you know he's bronze like you know he's laying it on thick whatever whatever and it's like of course it's it's malfoy but i believe i got uh, a boo-boo yeah but i i believe when um when brendan came on we were talking about chamber of secrets much like when um when uh malfoy was also in the hospital wing the same time as harry you know with his super yeah you know, boneless yeah, arm. When it, all of his bones were all gone. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, there's like two or three people, like, kind of like Yeah, when he was kept Mr. Fantastic. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Let me know when he gets superpowers. <laughs> yeah. So you, you see like three people by Draco in Chamber of Secrets. And then there's like the whole house of Gryffindor and like the half of the house of Ravenclaw. Well, there are no Ravenclaws there because they didn't exist up until this point. <laughs> <laughs> And it's so movie. funny. It's so funny that the 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 nurse was just just talking crap to Malfoy. He's like, "Oh, stop it! Oh, stop your whining!" Yeah. Yeah. Every time he does his mole, uh, I couldn't yeah. stop laughing. I can't take it seriously. It's hilarious. Yeah, it's it's uh. it was weird because it's like you know with this time around, you know, uh, in Prisoner of Azkaban, you know, he Malfoy kind of like exit on. And he has all these people. Oh, like you know, my my arm hurts so bad. You know, like one more second, I could have lost my arm, and my my father's furious and. Of course, we we get all that, but like it really just sucks. Cause I was I was really rooting for Hagrid because Harry followed directions. <laughs> yeah. to, be, to be fair, though, like if I had a child at Hogwarts, I would be yeah. a little concerned about what's going on. Like oh, this is the sure. one place yeah, where, I'm like it, Lucius Malfoy, you are in the right. <laughs> like, I do yeah, have a concern there. In, in if it was yeah. re- if it was more realistic, you don't see the adults put these kids in danger. Like, like what are you doing? Like, like you're when, you, when you think about what's happened, like the last two movies as well, I'm like, yeah, yeah no, I'm actually with Lucius Malfoy on this one thing. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's like I agree. This one time, I agree. Yeah, <laughs> even though that puppy is a dangerous creature but he's still friendly once you actually bond with him and i always wanted a buck <laughs> i want that so much yeah 
Yeah, definitely. It's it's so it's very weird, but I, you you do put up some really good points there, Nicole. It's just I don't know. It's I, listen, Lucy's not looking see, right. It's the whole like the worst person you know yeah, has made a good yeah. point. <laughs> yeah, you saw right that he wants that thing. That it's like dead. your ears finally perk up, and you're like, did you just say something intelligent? Yeah, I'm like, all right, fair, fair enough, dude. Like this thing did you know injure your kid? Like. <laughs> well that's his well that's Malfoy's fault okay. he shouldn't have done that <laughs> he shouldn't have gone off and tried to but provoke 13. him <laughs> true like, but he should have common sense they're wizards not invincible you clearly don't know much about 13 year olds <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's 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 it, I wonder it's just like did did Hagrid just say hey this is what I'm gonna do for my itinerary no one's like fact checking or like making sure that, that yeah, seems you know, to be how curriculum works at Hogwarts yeah, it's like, what is your curriculum, Mr. Hagrid? Oh, well, you know, I'm just going to blah, blah, blah. It's like, mess around and hopefully no one gets killed. You know, so we're going to just go to the woods. Like, don't worry, they're going to be all fine. I'm not going to put them in danger. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's, I, I would imagine, you know, them giving some kind of itinerary to, like, the headmaster. So he knows what's going on. But I guess, you know, with ha- Hagrid's always like flying rogue for yeah. like, you know, doing his own he needs thing. To, he, he's a, he's a man child that needs to be monitored <laughs> and somehow gets his, he's always in trouble or something, but it's like, they left him off the hook, you know, he goes to ask me and he comes back and he gave away top secrets to the kids yeah. in the first yeah. one. I should have told you that. He's got like <laughs> dragons at one point. Like he, he has a real thing he, for like animals. He should not have he has a three yeah. he has a big ass three-headed dogs that can <laughs> murder fluffy, you and then there was uh spider and yeah the spider the, what's yeah, the so. norbert or whatever it is at one point? Um, i think it was i think it was like it, Aragorn. Well, Eddie Murphy no norbert's movie. the, the <laughs> dragon norbert. that he has i think at one point <laughs> yeah. right yeah. oh yeah norbert the dragon yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. i think aragog was the was spider, the spider. Yeah. Yeah. yeah aragog yeah. was the spider no aragon that's sort of the rings yeah. <laughs> we're crossing <laughs> universes here you know it's all crossover crossing the streams it's a multiverse <laughs> that's what they should start lord of the rings and wizarding world crossover multiverse that would be that no. would break just get your money's worth <laughs> there you go. put me. it in dune and you can send it oh, all God. you know just wrap all, all the warner brothers properties it's, Brother. it's, it's a server yeah. it's like they did from space yeah. jam too you know yeah. Bat- <laughs> batman versus harry potter you know and- <laughs> <laughs> i wonder who would actually win that fight it's probably going to be harry potter Ooh. but batman does always come prepared so yeah, he's overly prepared. Probably just show him a picture. Well, both of them have terrible uh, backstories about their families. He's like, hey, I, mean, I, I lost my parents too. Maybe if Batman just rolled up with a gun or something. <laughs> Batman <laughs> your, your, your dad's dead. Sneak parents died too. Sneaky. Yeah. yeah. All he's got to do is like sneak attack him, snap the neck, it's done. No more chosen one. Yeah. 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 Well, technically, there are two. I well, there's you know theories yeah. of their. Yeah, there's always that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He doesn't have spider senses, all right, guys. It's just for Voldemort, <laughs> not for Batman. All right? <laughs> it's almost uh, like by the end of this series, it gets like it's surgically removed, you know, by yeah. killing by killing Voldemort. It's like it's like a mole on his head, you know. It's, oh, and it never stung again. Yeah. You know, what I mean, yeah. Yeah, I forgot. Yeah, that's yeah, that's right. It's yeah. it, it gets crazy, but yeah, exactly. <laughs> for Prisoner of Azkaban, I know we've been talking here for a while. Uh, just want to get your guys' final thoughts about the film. And <laughs> are you good? <laughs> yeah, I just is there anything I've not said? 
That is very true. I was like, say it again, Nicole, from the beginning. So, The Prisoner of Azkaban, directed by Afonso Cuarón, and it stars. No, I'm just kidding. But to be fair, yeah, she she's definitely um, scene one. Act one. I'm gonna actually read you the book now. I'm gonna read you the screen. It becomes like an audio book for Nicole. Like we play this to her, then she goes to sleep. She does all the different voices. I'm so talented. Hermione. 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 on purpose. What you fell over for? Come on, then. Not wait for the grass to grow. The leaky cauldron is in London. <laughs> leaky cauldron, and that's in London. <laughs> you gotta love the night bus. The night bus was pretty dope. Oh, it's so yeah. Cool. yeah. It's probably one of this the most laugh out loud funny moments of this yeah movie. with the physical comedy and i think like it's some yeah. of the most fun visual effects in the movie too other than buckbeak yeah. like the visual effects on buckbeak are actually like really nice i think um yeah i mean it definitely i mean besides the werewolf of course yeah. <laughs> I just, I didn't, honestly i did not mind the werewolf i thought it worked for me <laughs> i hated I hate the it. werewolf when i, I was it. a kid I'm, there's I was also like, there's also a moment where we see Peter Pettigrew transition back to the rat, and I hate the yeah. effects on that so He's much. Like, <laughs> it's so bad. Harry, kill him already. <laughs> He's getting away. How hard is it to hit a rat with a wand? Like, I'm very confused because they were struggling there for a minute. I'm telling like, you, all these really- all they needed was a gun. <laughs> <laughs> Get a mousetrap. Give him some muggle magic right now. That's all you need. Just give him a mousetrap and he'll fall for it. Maybe. Yeah. I was like, dude, I'm like, out of nowhere, Scavers just starts booking it like Sonic the Hedgehog across the freaking... The best thing about the about part of the movie is when he when Harry was w- wandering around in the corridors in the dark, and he he's looking at the Moranis map, and he sees Petty, uh, Peter Pettigrew that he thought he was dead, and sir, apparently he's alive, and he wants to go face to face with them, and it moves past him because he didn't know that he was a rat at the time, and you you start to hear the sound effects of the rat crawling, like you start to notice it on the on the second viewing. I do have some questions though around. I love the Marauders map. I think it's so fun, and I love the credits that are like based around it, but um. I just do have some questions about the fact that Peter Pettigrew does show up on it. Um, because, like, all these years that Fred and George have had it. Um, yeah, and they didn't realize. And, like, they never noticed. <laughs> Who's this Peter, Peter guy? They never noticed there's another guy, like, <laughs> like very close to Ron at most times. <laughs> yeah. He, he like doesn't Ron have time to change like... back and go to sleep. <laughs> like, I just have questions. Imagine, yeah. imagine him waking up and then transforming back into human next yeah, to Ron. Just imagine that shit. Bed. Yeah, you can totally uh, tell, hey, like, what up? brothers would totally make fun of, like, That's oh, the there's thing. a guy like, in your bed. They would yeah. not ignore that. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. We all know. Like, we, I don't, I I don't have any siblings. I don't have any siblings, but I damn well know that that would have been like a. Yeah, 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 I, I have yeah. I have two brothers. They probably would have made fun of me if that ever happened to me. <laughs> yeah. 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 For sure. Like, yeah, you had a dude in your bed. Yeah. Like every That's night. Night. just kind of weird. <laughs> he's on top of you. That's weird. <laughs> Maybe they're just that, really good brothers. Is, so like clearly he's not ready oh, to tell us yet. Him, We're gonna you know, wait and let know. him come out. <laughs> should have called the cops. We should have called the cops. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Good for them for not being. Yeah, they, they didn't want to out him, and I respect yeah. that. Do they always yeah. make fun of him? Like Ron and Peter are like inseparable. It's crazy. I mean, he's yeah. always yeah. hanging out. <laughs> yeah. He's in his pocket. You know, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're going to start running. this conversation. Who's the real prisoner of Azkaban? Like the prisoner of Ron's pants. You know? <laughs> He could have gone through his inside his pants just yeah. for the joke. He owes exactly. Kirk Shanks an apology. We'll never know what's actually inside the Chamber of Secrets. <laughs> I think I think we gotta wrap up. We gotta wrap up. We've lost the plot. I can we keep can, going. We can, we can keep going all day, all going, night. Yeah. Just like Ron and Peter. Oh my. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there you go. Oh nice. Get on it, Nicole. <laughs> Woo. It, 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 it is probably the biggest like plot. Well, like, I mean, she, well, she, what you can tell by that map is they are up to no good. She's you know like, I'm never having Nicole on a podcast again. Like, <laughs> He's not going to have no. me back on. No, no, you guys are going through a sorcerer's stone. Yeah. yeah. Oh, sorcerer's stone. Oh, oh, sorcerer's yeah. bone more. Anyway, oh. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, we're going to cut this whole thing out. No, no, this was no. a great conversation, and you, you guys fed into my uh, my absolute look. Uh, but all honesty, oh, this is uh, all staying in. This, yeah, this is a good <laughs> who, who wouldn't want to keep this going? Uh, but uh, no, I, w- I will I will reiterate this and say that this is the best directed Harry Potter film in my estimation. Look, I know that Mister Yates sort of just like took over the franchise and said nobody else but me. Um, but uh, I, I think that Caron sort of lays the template for even him down the road. And I, I just, you know, that guy. I don't know. I don't know if you guys know this about Alfonso Caron, but it's a pretty good director. You know, maybe one of the best ones. Well, ne- we'll never know. Never. Uh, but, uh, but I, I just. I, I admire also the movies. There are moments where there is all this heightened tension, but there are moments of true quiet and beauty. Um, I think of, you know, the, the scene on the, um, on the bridge between yeah. Lupin and Harry that I think is absolutely just heartbreaking. I think of like the way that Caron portrays the passage of time, uh, with the tree, which is uh, throughout the film, which then leads to it being a set piece at the end. It's super, you know, much of a payoff. Uh, you know, I think that, like uh, Nicole said, Emma Thompson's fantastic in this. It's a, you know, I just wish that she had more to do throughout yeah. the series because when she's in it, she's she's Emma Thompson. She's one of the best, you know, actresses, you know, that we have still working and, and alive. And, you know, I just man, this movie just gets me every time and I just, and I love it. And it has that sense of wonder and maturity that you would, you want to see this. And I think that that's, you know, this movie came after Lord of the Rings and Lord of the Rings had sort of ended. And so we were all, if you hadn't read the books, if you were sort of film fans, like my parents and friends, you didn't know where this was going to go. And it sort of, it matured perfectly right at the time when we needed something to be more mature in a franchise. And, uh, and I appreciate that immensely, you know, so great costumes, production design, the editing's out of control. The cinematography was so cool. great. Yeah. Um, that, and, and like Matt said, the, the night bus sequence is <laughs> hysterical. It's so good. And uh, you know, uh, and Oh, shout out to the great Julie Christie. For being in one damn scene and owning it, just owning it, and uh, she's great. Um, so yeah, everyone's firing all, all cylinders here. It's it's, it, and what's great about it is this doesn't really feature 
Voldemort. Mm-hmm. It's sort of it's yeah. talking about him and everything, but this this is the one off in the entire series where he is not the central focus. Mm-hmm. And I just love that about this movie so much because it's just like, okay, we can put that on pause for a little bit and we can talk about this and build this world out and and these characters and this history and why you know and what happened during the war and all these different things that happened uh, and why we're so fractured why everything is so fractured when literally in the next film death is on the doorstep so um yeah and it's also one of the last films till the last two films where you feel like you got the complete novel yeah. rather than we're frustratingly sitting here going with four or five and six going, well, they took everything out. And <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's, it's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it is a good one. And, um, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, we'll pass over to Matt for final thoughts. Then we'll go to Nicole. Then, uh, we'll close out. Yeah. Overall, this is definitely my favorite out of the eight movies. I mean, one thing I really appreciate about, like the certain Harry Potter movies that not every film needs to be a big spectacle action heavy movies like the like franchises that we now know of these days with the Star Wars and Marvel and DC as much as I love the Marvel Universe but most of the movies that just relied on more spectacle instead of just more character driven stories and that's what the Harry Potter did they built built up until the last two movies especially part two where now they're going all out we're going to have spectacle we're going to give you the wizarding battle that you've always wanted and they delivered and they gave us a complete story and I and one of my favorite parts in the movies with um, Harry and Sirius when they were both talking about about their, his past, about his mother, and then how much that I would love you to be my guardian. But it, towards the end of the movie, you start to realize that you just broke Sirius um, Black out of prison, and now he's a wanted fugitive. He can't take him in. He doesn't want to put him in danger that he's already in. So that's why he has to keep him be where he's at and that's such a, a beautiful moment with um Sirius and harry that hey you look like your father and you have your mother's eyes and it was a beautiful <clears throat> moment especially with the score it just gives you the shivers yeah yeah the, the score itself is very um it, it is definitely easy one of my part favorite parts of the movie of course when uh ryan was talking about the bridge scene like the score just comes in i'm like oh, yes it's it's so like it's so hauntingly beautiful but i'll pass it over to nicole yeah, that bridge scene is actually one of my favorite scenes, probably like top two in, in the whole franchise. I think it's so beautiful. And I think part of why I love this movie so much is just that it really is a movie that's largely about friendship. Um, and like you said, Voldemort's really not present in it. And I think that that allows us a bit of a pause, but it also shows us that Voldemort is not the only threat in the wizarding world. And that, you know, we've also got sort of this threat from from within um, that we initially think is serious, but come to find out is Peter Pettigrew. And I think that that's a really nice thing that we don't like. One of the best things about the Harry Potter franchise is that there isn't just one villain. It's, it's layered and it shows that, you know, someone can't come to the top. Someone can't do that sort of uh, level of destruction in a society without having other people working with them. And I think that, that that's really compelling. And I, I just love this movie so much. It's one of my comfort films. I could watch it literally anytime. <laughs> so thank you so much for letting me come ramble about it. <laughs> it's okay. You know, you, you kind of re- represent those Ravenclaws everywhere across the world. So somebody has to. <laughs> yeah. Since the film wasn't willing to, I've got to do it myself. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> it really, cause it, it really is like, if someone doesn't, you know, know much about Harry Potter. Like they might as well just think this is the Gryffindor and Slytherin show. Like to be completely honest, because it's like, oh, who are those people? I'm like, oh, those are just the other houses. Yeah. 
Those are the extras. Uh, but the, the big character of Ravenclaw was uh, Luna. The, the, the big, she had a bigger I, role in the uh, for the fifth and then the final Luna. song. I love those people Luna. are called scale workers. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. For a few crown moment. <laughs> <laughs> I was a uh, Hufflepuff number 564. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's oh my gosh. It's I was watching Victorious the other day, old school Nickelodeon show. And we kind of made a joke about, you know, there's like the core six, and then they, they kind of made the joke of like, you know, why does like Professor, you know, Mr. Psychowitz always just ask us six like there are other people in this classroom and it's like they turn around they're like does does anyone ever get a chance to speak and they're like no that's how, <laughs> how i feel about you know the ravencross and the uh the hufflepuff so up until you know we get a little bit with harry potter goblet of fire aka harry potter where shit hits fan um so but <laughs> harry potter when shit hits the fan that's pretty much what it should be called honestly yeah. when shit hits the fan but yeah for my closing thoughts you know i um it's like I keep saying it's hauntingly beautiful. It it really, really is. It's just, you know, the themes of growing up and finding that everything, you know, about growing up isn't always the best. You know, we 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 see Harry go through this trauma and kind of just discover the, the real secrets about his parents. And like you guys said, you know, Voldemort isn't there, but this film definitely does set up um very well for what's coming for Goblet of Fire, which should have been too parts but you know i'm not i'll save that for the goblin fire uh re- <laughs> review itself but um overall i really think that um you know alfonso Cuan really um he gave it his all with adapting this um you know the, the book's not super long either i think it's maybe around the same length as sorcerer's stone maybe like a little bit longer but for what it was i i really do enjoy it and it, it will remain in my top three like i, I don't think my harry potter like ranking really shifts all that much like i do enjoy all of them but you know this is this is the one where it's like okay it's it's time to get serious it's time to like ryan said like push this franchise in a different direction before it's too late to where you know it's not just about like the the mustache twirly you know villain like oh it was me all along and like oh my gosh you know (laughs) (laughs) but um it, it really is a special film especially uh you know for um, just you know a lot of people going up of uh, like high anxiety or just like depression like this really focuses in on that and you know with um the Patronus charm it really is showing you know there, there there is still light in this world you know you you just have to hone in on it and focus in on what makes you happy you know no matter how you know bad things get you know th- there's always a light at the end of the tunnel for sure but um, we'll close out here really quick. We'll have everyone go around the, uh, the show here and tell everyone where you can find, you know, your work and what, what you guys are working on. But I wanted to say, you know, thank you guys so much for going on. This is officially one of our longest podcasts ever. That's okay. <laughs> I, I blame Matt. I blame Matt. That's Matt's fault. It's my fault. I go no, back. It's my Ravenclaw. No, no, it's all her it fault. Is. I go yeah, back no. like a, each person's track is like, Matt, no, only no, have like 20 no. minutes of talking time. Oh, no. no. Exactly. <laughs> That's why he's to blame. <laughs> this man was a blabbermouth. <laughs> I blabbermouth. Keep the party going. Let's go. Yeah, yeah. But seriously, you know, uh, thank you guys again for coming on. We'd love to have you guys on for others. We're almost halfway there, you know? Like I said, we're, we're 
chugging along through Goblet of Fire next week. So that'll be a lot of fun. But uh, we'll start with uh, Nicole, then we'll go to Ryan, and then Matt of where everyone can find you on the internet and where they can find your work. Yeah, so I am on Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, at Nicole Ackman 16 and I've got a link tree uh, linked, I think, all three of those places where you can find different sites that I write for. I do a lot of writing and podcasting over at Next Best Picture, um, but also a handful of other sites as well. So the best place to find everything is just on Twitter, and then you can also see me, you know, tweeting about Remus Lupin constantly. <laughs> <laughs> it's true she had an entire tweet about is remus lupin hufflepuff i, did, I got in an argument with someone i got in an argument with someone and they tried to claim that if he was not a gryffindor uh he'd be a hufflepuff and i had to prove that i was right because i'm a ravenclaw i can't see the Huff- i can't see the hufflepuff <laughs> not not really nope, nope. <laughs> but uh ryan where can everyone find you well first of all before uh thank you christian once again for having me on and everyone should be following christian if you're a listener of the show and you should go and follow matt and nicole they're both really great people um and uh and and follow nicole and all her great writings i've been reading it um you know and she's got a bunch more coming out because she just came back from film festival (laughs) and uh, she's a great writer and a great friend and uh, and i'm I'm just I'm just happy to know her. Let alone so emotional. To talk to her every now. <laughs> um, and uh, as for me, you can find me um, selfishly now on <laughs> on Twitter at Ryan McQuaid seventy seven. You can follow my writing over at In Session Film. You can find it at Awards Watch, uh, Film Speak, and uh, Awards uh, Radar. And you can find me over at In Session Film doing uh, the extra film podcast as well as uh, Chasing the Gold. And you can also find my other podcast that I do. Yes, I do all this, people. Um, <laughs> called Busting the Block uh, with Greg Kevin Lee. Uh, where, and you can find that at Busting the Block on Twitter. You know, that, that was a very Hufflepuff answer. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'm a Hufflepuff. Baby. There you know. go. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe He's I'll like, oh, take a Nicole's quiz. And... Great person. I'm like, eh, she's Listen, like, no, if, if you identify as a Hufflepuff, then we've got someone from all four houses. So that, that's, that's true. We are all here I don't, together. I, it's unofficial. It's unofficial. At least for today, but, Ryan. But, just for today. Okay, just for today. Yes, yeah, so we have everybody here, but also for as long everybody as this do. Podcast stays on. But I'm serious when I say everybody do follow Nicole. She's wonderful. That's so kind. <laughs> And I also, and I also, I do this because I'm her friend, but I also do this just to see the reaction from her face as well, too. So. It's, it's, it's great, it's great doing like an audio podcast. And it's like, oh, for those not watching, because there is nothing to watch. It's just she's, audio. This is yeah, always going to see it. She's crying just as much as if she was watching Little Women. You know what I mean? That's so. such a good movie. I'm no. telling you. Every, you may not see her, but she's in tears already. I know. I already see tears. how I cry when I watch Little Women. No one needs to witness that. That is the perfect Christmas movie. Yes. It no, is actually it just the perfect movie. Um, it really is. I mean, like, uh, I, saw, I saw two movies that day. I got my little, <laughs> got my little Nice. Thing. Nice. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> I saw two movies that day, and um, one of them was, um, uh, what was it? Oh, my gosh. Uh, Adam Sandler, Uncut Gems. Uncut Gems. Did not like it. Mm. Well, I saw Little Women first. Cause, like That's the movie. I saw it both on Christmas Day when they first came out. I was like, man, oh, I can't wait to watch uh, Uncut Gems. It's going to be amazing. And then I was, I was, I was let down. You picked it, the it right, you picked the me. right one of those two as your favorite. I'm just going to say that. Yeah, <laughs> I love Adam Sandler. <laughs> it's just that movie is not my favorite. I don't hate it because it's a very strong word. But let me pass over to Matt so he can tell everyone um, where they can find him on the internet and what's coming up um, work wise for him. 
Yeah, thank you so much for having me on, Christian. I mean, I would love to come back and do more of this again. And it was great meeting you two, Ryan and Nicole. Go and follow these two people. They're awesome. And they're, I had a lot of fun time talking to them. And definitely following Christian in, in this podcast. And it's a great podcast. Go and listen to it if you can. I like and, how also, and, by the way, not to interrupt you, Matt, that you and I said for ever to follow everyone and Listen, Nicole selfishly only followed I'm herself. Yeah. I'm, just, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Very you. I'm, I'm just saying. You're feeling so guilty. Please go follow everyone on this podcast. No, nope, too, too late. Matt, continue. Just kidding. Only follow me. <laughs> yeah. Nicole, you're selfish. <laughs> All joke aside, you can follow me on Twitter just at MattWyatt651 and I have a link tree in my bio where I have a lot of social media platforms like Snap chat instagram and i have a letterbox where i do my reviews and if you want to see my novel of reviews where i just ramble on on it you can check that out and i did a recent review called dune they are not they, they are novels i yeah <laughs> i can compare but you know like i'll like go on letterbox i'll write it i'll do like a sentence or two i think for dune i literally put let the spice flow <laughs> that was it <laughs> <laughs> i was like well i'll add more stuff into it it's Cause like I try to go back and like plug stuff. I'm like, oh, this is too much. <laughs> this is too much. But I, I don't know how Matt does it, but it's, it's great. Cause there's no way I can get all those. It takes me a while to like write a piece and then I like reread it to make sure I'm like making sense and stuff like that. So yeah. And I always try to correct every time I mess up in some sentence. Cause it's a stupid typo. I'm, Cause I'm writing on my phone. Yeah. The speech like, dictation and, isn't all that great. Like I'm trying to make it look professional. Yeah, that that yeah, exactly. I, you got to sound smart. Sound smart. trying to use the big words. <laughs> yeah, you got to use the big. You, you go to you know Webster or whatever. It's like all right, I need a, an alternative word for you know <laughs> extravagant or something. I don't know. <laughs> and it's like ah yes, but um, really quick, everyone is listening. What's coming up in the podcast? Uh, of course, this is going to be dropping on Wednesday, the twenty seventh of October. And then we have our last night in Soho review. Uh, I think we're actually, we would usually drop that the Monday after, you know, after the big weekend. But to kind of cap off um, Halloween, I, I'm not the biggest Halloween fan. I love, you know, fall, but I like Thanksgiving better. And of course, Christmas is way better as well. But that's just me. I'm sorry if I'm bringing any hearts out there. Um, Nicole's looking yeah, very. Perplexed. How dare you? <laughs> it's okay. 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 It's not, it's, okay. it's it's overrated. Halloween's overrated. It's, I don't hate it. it. I mean, it's not my actually my kids don't need kids don't need candy. I have You're just giving thoughts them on Halloween. I'm just very excited to wear my Black Widow costume. So I just like the pumpkin spice lattes that come out. But then again, pumpkins aren't spicy, so I'm very confused in that notion. It's 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 actually it's, Dune promotion. Uh, yeah, there, yes, let the spice flow. <laughs> It let all the comes spice back. Whoa. It all the pumpkin comes spice back. dune lattes. Only Fear Here's <laughs> the mind killer. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so, of course, after that, uh, last night in Soho, we'll have our Harry Potter and Goblet of Fire review uh, kicking off in November. And then, you know, going through the rest of, you know, this amazing franchise. Like I said, this is, it's draining, but I absolutely love it because, you know, it's Harry Potter and like, I, I absolutely love it. It's, it's, it's the best thing ever, but, um, this a rem- reminder before we actually close out here, whether it is by book or by page, Hogwarts will always be there to welcome you home. So I'll close this out and I hope everyone has a great rest of their week. So 
Um, and that is a wrap for today. Thank you all for listening. And if you enjoy our show, leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts and follow us on Twitter and Instagram to stay in the know. That was Nicole, Ryan. My name is Christian. We'll see you guys in the next one.